There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Life is full of awesome what-ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Helen. And I'm Sarah. And this is the Squiggly Careers Podcast, a weekly podcast where we talk about the ins, outs, ups and downs of work and try to give you some, well, probably a bit of squiggly support, to be honest, but also some practical insights, ideas and things that you can take away and try out after you've listened to the podcast. We are about 370 episodes into the podcast. So if you are new, welcome. There's quite a lot to catch up on. And also you might not know about all the other resources that we have. So we've got pod sheets, which are one page summaries of what Sarah and I are going to talk about today. So that after you've kind of listened, you can put all that stuff into action. We really care about action. And then we also share some shorter summaries on social. So if you want something to sort of swipe as a bit of a reminder or share with other people, if it's a topic that you find particularly useful, that might be worthwhile as well. Most Thursdays, we also do Pod Plus, which is a 30 minute free session that you can join. It happens on Zoom. We have a lovely community of listeners that all come to share what they know and ask questions. And it's just a really nice place to connect. If you like learning about careers, there is a lovely community there on Pod Plus for you. So today's topic is how to improve your strategic thinking. And we wanted to start off with some myths to bust about this idea of strategic thinking, because I think there are sometimes some mindset and skill set barriers that can get in the way of developing this skill. So the first one is that it's not only for senior people. I think this is a skill that we connect with sort of the ladder in lots of ways. And I think when we connect it to the ladder, it sort of limits our learning because we think, oh, well, it's only the people far up the ladder who need to worry about this. Or perhaps you look at it a slightly different way that limits your learning and you think, oh, this is um, something for smart people. You know, because this idea of like strategy, just somehow everyone goes, oh, that's the smart people. And then you just sort of feel like, oh, well, then that's not me. So you, you maybe sort of stop yourself before you even get started. The third thing is that it isn't separate from your day to day. I think sometimes when you do some research on this, one of the things, the themes that you see again and again is that people sometimes confuse maybe some of the strategic planning processes that happen or often because there might be like strategy away days with thinking, oh, it's not something that I could do day to day. It's almost something that happens almost like either in an ivory tower or in isolation. But we're talking here about how to think strategically every day. I think this is a skill you can use all the time. Of course, there might be moments where we're sort of really diving deep into strategy. But I think if you disconnect it from your day job, then you're not going to have enough opportunity to practice the skill. And then the fourth one, which is slightly counterintuitive. So we've even called this how to improve your strategic thinking. You've got to be a bit careful, I think, with strategy that you don't miss that strategy isn't only about thinking, it's also about executing on that strategy. 
And there's this great phrase about strategy where it often says, strategy isn't what you say, it's what you do. And in all my experience in strategy, and I have done those jobs where I have strategy in my job title, so I have been some of these people, I think the best strategic thinkers are not the ones who just like, you know, mill around sounding smart or doing some thinking. They're the ones that come up with strategic thinking that then very clearly influences and has impact in all of our sort of day to day. It sort of shows up in what you do. I think you've got to bring those two together. So not sort of thinking, oh, well, Sarah is a thinker and Helen's a doer. So that means that Sarah is the strategy one and Helen's the person who does the execution. I think that's sort of too binary and not useful in terms of how we think about this skill. I was just thinking about um, general kind of Helen's squiggly career experiences of strategy. Most of my career to this point has been spent in large organisations where I think there were definitely times where there'd be like this big period of like organisational change or a big new thing launching. And to your point, in came like the strategy experts, which were often consultants from outside often wearing suits and they would often come in like a group and then would like take over a room and that's that's where the strategy happened and I don't think that was very helpful because it felt like you were sort of outsourcing that strategic thinking to your point to like smart people so I don't I don't think that you know like that wasn't a great visual you know that to see Mm. that happening all the time or it was to your point about like super smart people there'd be people that got a strategy in the job title and you're Mm. like wow they they were brains and they were they were like super brainy people but and then it it sort of became this quite intimidating skill and that was like the, the big company context and then I think now you know we run a small fast growing company and I think I have become more and more aware of the importance of everybody thinking strategically because and and maybe it's with like remote working too like so our team are super flexible everyone works in kind of the times and ways that work for them and so we're not all connecting at the same points of time together so it's not like Sarah and I can just set a strategy and that's it like we need everybody to sort of think for their areas about what strategy looks like and to own it and to challenge us or we're not able to sort of adapt quickly and work effectively and I think I've just become more and more conscious of this skill being something that we all need and isn't the domain of smart people and shouldn't be something that's outsourced to another company to do for you and Sarah and I get this a lot you know people people will come to us and be like oh we think we should do a day of strategic thinking and we're like well, it's not really it's not really an away day kind of thing it's an everyday kind of thing that we need so yeah it's just interesting how pervasive I think the skill is and how important it is now for everybody in their roles so the reality is though that lots of things I think get in the way of that so even like oh yeah it's really important as part of our everyday I think loads of things get in the way like the day job like the doing part of things the ability to stop and think something through so you can potentially do something differently I think think that's always easy and we want to try and help you with that by giving you some tools that you can use on your own every day or in a team in a meeting so it just becomes sort of part of the way you work but it often can be a challenge again you might not know how I think because Sarah and I have worked in those big companies we've seen some models and frameworks we've seen some of the questions that people use but don't worry if you haven't yet because they're very learnable and we'll share them (laughs) with you you might again you might feel like it's someone else's job but hopefully we're kind of getting across this thing that everyone's job is better if they are able to think strategically and it's really important skill for a squiggly career, both for you 
and your development, but also for the work that you're doing too. Like your career will be better and the work that you do will be better if you can bring the strategic thinking into your days a bit more. Yeah, and I think when you have that strategic thinking skill, I think it will help you to stay relevant in your squiggly career. So you don't want to miss the boat. You don't want to have sort of been so head down and probably delivering and maybe doing a brilliant job that you don't then spot opportunities, possibilities or trends. And that might be to be able to do your day job really well, but also that might be for you personally. I think when you're good at that sort of strategic perspective, you start to connect dots, you zoom out a bit more, you see the big picture. When I've read lots of articles preparing for today, you know, lots of people just describe, they use this big picture thinking a lot. It's a bit of a default for strategic thinking. And if you have that ability to see the big picture, you can think about, well, also, what does that mean to me? As well as what does that mean for my team? Or what does that mean for my organisation? You know, if something's going in a direction that you think, oh, that's going to be more motivating to me or less meaningful for me, you can ask yourself some really helpful so what questions quite early on. And I think sort of get a jump start on putting yourself in a really good position, A, to make the most of opportunities, but also sometimes to think through those knotty moments as well. So one of the things that I reread, because I already had it on my bookshelf for today, was the HBR, so Harvard Business Review, Guide to Strategic Thinking. And those HBR guides are useful in that they bring together articles on a particular topic. And I've just picked out one thing from that book today that I wanted to talk about. And you can also read about this on a free article. So you don't need to buy the book to be able to read about this. And there are quite a few links for today's episode. So um, worth going to the show notes to make sure you get those if you need them. So here we're talking about a matrix from somebody called John Coleman. And it's the Agility Times Consistency Matrix. So his argument is that to be strategic, you've got to balance agility and consistency, where agility is being adaptable, you're willing to change, you maybe even anticipate and enjoy change, you're curious, you're ready to learn from others. So that's the kind of the good stuff about agility. <laughs> and then the consistency, which I think it's really good to have that um, there as well alongside that, because I think sometimes you might just think it's those first things is that actually strategic leaders, you know, they show up, they deliver consistently, they talk about the strategy in the same way again and again, you know, they work hard, they're there when you sort of need them to be. And I think one of the things that he mentions is that what's particularly interesting about this matrix is that it does have a natural tension that typically people tend to see themselves as slightly more one of these versus the other. And it's worth just recognising the sort of some of the things that hinder you as well as help you. So if you've got really high agility, you can also become unfocused. You might be visionary, but you can lack the sort of single minded capability to really execute on that vision. And if you're too consistent, then you risk rigidity. So maybe being stubborn or you're sort of struggling to adapt. So the two by two matrix when you're low, consistent and low agility, you're... These are, these boxes always sound so uh, harsh. They do sound they? really harsh, really uh, I was harsh. Like, you're, and I was like, oh, this feels... Um, apparently, you're, you're, you're unreliable and uninspired. I'm like, oh, crikey. Um, OK. If you are high consistency but low agility, that's where you can be rigid. If you're low consistency but high agility, you're unfocused. And when you've got the high consistency and high agility, he argues that's where you're strategic. 
What I thought was most helpful about this is not beating ourselves up sometimes when we lack agility or consistency, but actually knowing, first of all, which one are you more? So are you more agile or are you more consistent? Because I think once you then know that, you can then think about, okay, so what do I need to improve my consistency or what do I need to improve my agility? So Helen, when you've seen that matrix and you've looked at that, where do you sort of put yourself in that two by two? I think I'm much more agile. I think I like respond to stuff really quickly and and I can kind of, you know, like get over things quite fast and kind of move on to the next thing. But I definitely see that that sometimes means I'm unfocused. Like even this morning, I got to my desk like super early this morning and I went from like prepping for the podcast to doing some stuff for someone in our team to writing some things that I needed to get done. But I was, I did feel a little bit unfocused because I wasn't doing that in a particularly consistent way. Like I hadn't planned to do all of that stuff. I was all, all sort of in an a sort of very agile way responding to the different things that were happening so it does mean it means that I can work on quite a lot of stuff like I think there's benefits of high agility but I also see the downside of that sometimes being unfocused because I don't have that high consistency what about you I actually found that on this one quite difficult because I sort of felt like I was sort of medium on both of them particularly I could see the downsides in myself of both of them so maybe I'm just unreliable and uninspired. But, no, no, but that's uh, not true. I could see I, I definitely have, like, I really enjoy change and I like newness and I think I'm curious and those sorts of things. So I was like, okay, great. But I also get a bit distracted by, uh, when I was re- reading about this, it said like, you know, these people often get a bit distracted by like shiny new things. They love starting stuff. And I was like, oh yeah, okay. That's like, that's definitely me. But I can also see the consistency in myself. Like, you know, the, you show up I do think I have a tendency to want to consistently connect the dots with well why are we doing this like and say those things time and time again and I'm also sometimes quite stubborn so I was like oh okay maybe I'm just sort of like almost like boringly squarely in the middle of like medium no matrix ever has a medium on it does it but I was like I think I am sort of a medium on these I think you know how you always say with like uh, whenever Sarah and I talk about a matrix they'll always say on a podcast I'm surprised I haven't said it so far but they'll always say like because Sarah gets really uncomfortable about putting people in boxes which I think is a nice thing that you do that so I like how you're like I will not fit in one of these boxes I will fit (laughs) in the middle but I think it is a fair point and you know like I think that frameworks are useful because they create a conversation which is what Mm. we'll come on to in a moment but I think probably the more useful thing to your point is which are you more of at the moment like high agility or high consistency like what which one of those is kind of pulling you and and what are the implications of it and the model just sort of I think the model helps you to kind of visualize where you might be moving around to rather than forcing people to fit into a particular bit so if you are in the middle right now I think that is a perfectly fine place to be and then some of the sort of outcomes of the sort of the, the so what when you've sort of figured this out for yourself is one spotting what's needed most in different situations so there are times where you might want to increase your agility and there are times where you might want to increase your consistency you know so this is not a steady state thing and I found that quite useful so almost kind of yeah being situational complementing what you're good at with other people so actually the reason I did like reading this article was what he isn't sort of saying is okay you've got to be amazing at everything all of the time He also sort of talked about, well, spot, if you've got really high agility, spot someone who's got really high consistency, because actually almost like together, you'll be a super strategic thinker. 
And I quite like that. I like that idea of like, well, who are you partnering with? And you might even, especially if you've had this conversation with someone else, you can start to point to what is needed. So, you know, you might say to me, oh, actually, Sarah, I think like what I really need is, is you to kind of hold me to account to be really consistent on this so I don't get distracted. And so you've, you've sort of made that point of like, I maybe find that hard to do for myself, but I know that you can help me. And I mean, then, that does sound like us writing books. Yeah, that I does. Mean, I mean, <laughs> that's, I think that's why I got to medium, because I probably also, which, you know, you've got to be a bit careful, haven't you, about comparison. I think I thought, oh, I'm still, I am quite high on agility, but I thought, but I am nowhere near as high as Helen is. And I think I do often sometimes bring the consistency because you're yeah, so I high. Yeah, I would agree. Um, and then the last one, which... I also just found interesting and useful, particularly like for our company at the moment, is actually to be successfully strategic, you also need to have the right processes in place. So often you don't think of strategic thinking and processes together necessarily. But one of the things that he talks about is that actually high consistency comes often from having really good processes. So it's not always like saying the same thing over and over again. It's, oh, have you got very clear metrics that you keep coming back to? Are you measuring the things that matter? Are people using consistent processes or has everybody sort of got their own process because that will stop you being strategic? And I was reflecting on that for our company and I can see pockets of places where we do have good processes. Like We have metrics that matter. We do that every month. We've got into a rhythm with that and that helps us to be strategic. And then I can see pockets where we're really inconsistent and that's probably meaning that we are tactical and sporadic and a bit all over the place at times I think there's probably about 10 different articles in that book that's the sort of one that that stuck with me and just a side point on processes I honestly feel like I have a bit of an allergic reaction to like processes just because I'm like oh gosh I don't know I know I know they're helpful I totally know they're helpful but I feel like it's just as someone with the value of freedom having lots of processes just makes me go oh where's all the freedom gone but I think Sarah mentioned one of ours metrics that matter I think there is a way to make processes fun or just <laughs> like, even like the naming of them so our like our Sarah's mentioned that that's like a monthly way that we report on the progress of of our business like the metrics that matter and I find that like a really fun meeting where the team come together and so just basically if anyone else has a bit of an allergic reaction to processes and is thinking oh god I don't want to think strategically if I've got to have a whole load of processes around then I think like pick one or two processes that might support the strategic thing you're working on and kind of like even naming them or making sure that you're doing them with other people like bringing the fun into the formality making I think visual. is how you yeah making think... processes visual like yeah, yeah we have yeah visualizing it sort of making it fun naming it like doing it with someone else I do remember like once in, uh, I joined a company and they handed me like a book of 50 processes and it was probably <laughs> the worst the worst moment of my life I was like this is horrendous I'm, I'm gonna have to conform to this yeah, I don't like um, that either. in order to be successful and I think that's not what we're trying to do I think processes should be supportive people should feel involved and yeah visualizing them making them part of the ways that you work naming them so they kind of become like something that supports the culture if you want us to talk about processes anymore let us know because we can share some of the processes that work well for our team if it's um if it's helpful for people life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much like unexpected medical costs that's why united healthcare provides health protector guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs learn more at uh1.com many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out my solution is plush care 
PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. So we have now got three ideas for action so that you can take this strategic thinking thing and you can bring it into the way that you're working on, you know, projects or maybe processes, but also the way that you might be approaching your own career development. Lots of these things can help you in those in those different ways as we talked about earlier. So the first thing we wanted to share was a couple of strategic frameworks. So these are sort of um, models, tried and tested models that you can use to support your thinking. And probably the one that you might be most familiar with, just so you can kind of get this in your mind of where we're going with these frameworks, is the SWOT model. Strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. I think that Sarah and I both got taught that mm-hmm. probably in like 2001, back in back oh, at, in know. business school yeah. in Nottingham. It was pretty early, I think, when with we had that. Um... ability to actually apply it in any sort of yeah. useful way. Do you remember that lecturer, John? He was our strategic... Um, do you remember that he taught us about... Was it John? I can't remember his surname, but I just remember a lecturer called John who wore socks and sandals and <laughs> um, taught us about big, hairy, audacious goals and the SWOT framework. But yes, yeah, Sarah and I, you t- tend to get taught this. I think probably even like GCSE business studies, you tend to get taught this model. So it's a simple one, but I still think it's really useful. But strengths, weaknesses, opportunities and threats. You can think about maybe uh, what's going on in your organisation right now. You can think about what's going on in your career right now. Like I could... Tell take five minutes and draw like what are my strengths at the moment what are the weaknesses for me in my career maybe over the next sort of two to three years what opportunities have I got for my development and what are my potential weaknesses to work on it is just a way I think all these frameworks are just a way of structuring your thoughts and asking yourselves questions and you can do them on your own or you can use them with other people so like we said SWOT's probably one that you're familiar with maybe one that you're not familiar with Sarah and I thought we'd share one each just in case it's sort of a new framework that you might think oh that could be useful one that I have used quite a lot it's all about horizon scanning so I've done a few jobs in innovation where what you're trying to do is sort of move your mind out of where you are right now so that you can sort of see it's like a see into the future a framework that gets used quite a lot for that sort of like how what could this look like in the future is one from McKinsey and it's all about strategic horizons I mean it's relatively simple you're looking at kind of what value could something bring and over what time period and horizon one is sort of lower value short term and that's sort of more about maintaining where you are today so it's what can we improve what can we adjust what can we iterate upon that's like horizon one so it's not very far into the future and it's probably not going to 
make a dramatic difference to your business or your development if you're applying this to you in your own career. Horizon 2 is a bit further away. So you're going to get a bit more value, but it's going to take a bit more time. And this is sort of about sort of nurturing the new. So, you know, maybe what conversations could we have? Or what worlds of work could we be kind of exploring? Or maybe it might be if it's about your career, what sort of communities could I become part of? So I'm sort of nurturing the new. And then the third horizon, this is the one where there's potentially like you're going quite far out into the future. So maybe go, you know, five to 10 years. And this is where it could provide significantly more value for you. So this is, you know, what new markets could we operate in? What could transformation look like? And again, you could apply this to your company or your career. So I might think, oh, if I was going to stretch a strength into Horizon 1, Horizon 2 and Horizon 3, like really kind of really stretch a strength, then how different could my development look? So it is a way of thinking. It's just sort of think I would think of it about you know really really stretching things but it is also there's a there's a quite a structured model behind it there's quite a few questions we'll put a link into the pod sheet to a really good article that explains how to use this horizon scanning and it's also got like a downloadable template for you so it might be worth a look particularly if you feel like you're getting very stuck in the day-to-day and using a framework to help you kind of think into the future would be useful then horizon scanning is one that I would I would recommend recommend. And so I've used something slightly different. I do think ultimately they all do the same thing. They all just help you to, I think, structure your thinking in a way that helps you to see the big picture and to make sure maybe you're sort of interrogating and asking the right questions. So I've used something called SCQA, which stands for situation, complication, question and answer. And again, you can watch videos, people talking this through, and lots of examples. So you can sort of see it applied in real life to then think, okay, well, how would I use that? But the situation is essentially the context in which you're operating in today. So if it was a situation in your career, you might say, I'm feeling really stuck, or I feel like my career has stalled right now. Or it could be, I'm just really curious about where my career could take me in the next few years. That that might be your current context. The complication is a challenge or change within the context. Say you're feeling stuck, you're like, that's the sort of the situation. A complication might be, okay, well, my company are not creating any new roles at the moment, or we've got a job freeze. There's no movement basically happening in my organisation. So that might be a complication. Then when you get to question and answer, so sort of S and C helps you with sort of like what's happening, making sure you're sort of understanding that. The question then gets to, well, what's the problem that you're trying to solve? And the answer is your initial hypothesis, which is like sort of the thing to go away and test. So the question might be, what work do I find most motivating? Or what are my must-haves in my career or in my job right now? And then your answer might be, well, I think my hypothesis is that my must-haves at the moment are flexibility and something where I can come up with ideas and I like working in a company where I can sort of see the product. You know, you might like the tangibility of being able to see the product. That's your sort of, you've already had a go at answering it. And then the point is then you go away and sort of test and learn. So you might think, let's say you've done that scenario I've just described, you might go away and look at some jobs and think, okay, well, that's missing one of my must-haves. Would I consider that or would I not? Okay, I wouldn't, 
okay, maybe it's confirming and consolidating that my hypothesis is true. And so that's me applying it to careers. Typically, people apply it more to team problems or business challenges. But again, I think it just helps you to iterate quickly. There's a really good diagram you'll see if you um, dive into this a bit deeper, where sometimes one of the challenges with strategy is often described as like boiling the ocean. You know, yeah. you just you just keep on like asking things, but without actually gathering any data or without really moving forward how much you know, you just sort of keep going with something. What this gets you to do is go sort of, is almost like to, to very quickly do like question, answer, question, answer, and to learn a lot and to move forward quite quickly. And it also encourages you sort of the opposite of boiling the ocean is trusting your instinct and gut, but without any data which also isn't always a smart thing to do because it means you can make bad decisions and you can make choices that aren't actually always sort of grounded in the reality. So I might think, well, I've got a brilliant idea for our business, but if I don't go away and get any data, actually properly test and learn, you could put a lot of money into that idea and then it might not be the right one. So again, I think if, if you have that tendency to either spend way too long thinking and you don't start doing, or you just sort of trust your gut too quickly without any data this just helps you to have like a sort of in-between model I think for that do you think you could set a timer on it so you don't sort of luxuriate in like the thinking for too long and then it goes forward or do you think that will kind of destroy the quality of the process um I mean I've, I've never seen anyone set a timer when I when I <laughs> when I've I've seen this used in organizations what you might do is set a time scale on well, how long are we going to do the data collection for before we then move forward based on what we know? So we might say, okay, we're going to have a two-week data gathering period where we are really trying to prove or disprove that hypothesis. Yeah. And wherever we get to after that two weeks, that 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 sort of that we we will judge that that is enough time. So I think that can be useful because otherwise you could just keep getting more and more data forever, couldn't you? Yeah. And I'm just going back to like the big company thing, that experience, which is probably like, I feel like I've been slightly scarred by that strategic framing that I kind of saw in those environments. It felt like there was a lot of talking and thinking that went on for a very long time uh, yeah. and that didn't necessarily then come into action. So I think maybe like strategic sprints um, or something, you know, where it's almost like we're going to have one day where we're going to start doing the the kind of the situation, the complication, and then we're going to go get the data or whatever it is, but just giving it some pace I mean obviously I'm I'm orientated around pace aren't I but I just think sometimes strategy is slow <laughs> and so if you're a bit of a pacey person I think maybe thinking about sort of sprints or putting some timings on it might feel like it's not just going round and round and thinking circles Okay, so moving on from the world of strategy frameworks, I guess before we go into some questions which we think can help you to prompt your strategic thinking, we just wanted to say that if you find like frameworks feel a bit daunting or they feel hard to remember, or sometimes I think distracting, like you're thinking, oh, what was that framework again? And was it this or was it that? Underpinning all of those frameworks, whichever, whether you're using a SWOT or horizon scanning or, you know, the one that Sarah talked through are three fundamental skills, which is that you are thinking. So you are just using that framework to help you think. You are sharing. So the clarity that they create is then leading to a conversation and you are questioning what you know, the assumptions, the data, what we could do differently. Thinking, sharing and questioning are the fundamentals of any of those frameworks. So 
don't worry too much if you're like, I can't remember those frameworks in a particular meeting. Just ask yourself, what do I think? Who am I sharing it with? And what questions should I be asking? That's pretty much the core. And on the what questions should I be asking, we've done some of the hard work for you. So we've got six coach yourself questions to help you think strategically. Three are related to your company. So maybe Sarah can maybe talk those through. And then three are related to your career. So we'll share the questions. And then we thought we would maybe pick out one or two that feel most relevant to us right now, because they're they're not going to all feel relevant to everyone all the time. And just talk them through so that you can just hear how it helps us to think strategically. So do you want to kick us off with the company ones? Yeah, so we've got three questions for you here. Question one. Which part of my organisation do I need to understand better and who could help me to find out more? Two, which of our competitors am I most impressed by and what are they doing well that we can learn from? And then three, who has the most influence and impact and how could I work more closely with them? So which of those three, Helen, do you think would be useful for you to spend some time on if you were just going to pick one for now? I think it'd be the one about competitors because I often, I think often we don't really like to think about competitors because I think we kind of just see collaborators and people who are also influencing careers in a positive way. But I think maybe having that frame, like who does compete with us and what do we like really admire about what they do? I think I don't put my head in that place very often and I think it could be useful for our business if we did it would definitely zoom me out from the day to day and it would help me sort of question some things and bring some sort of new insights back into the team for us to talk about so that would be the one that I would take away what about you I think perhaps the first one which part of my organization do I need to understand better partly because at the moment we are looking at some processes internally which I do think will help to unlock people's ability to have some time to do some strategic thinking and sometimes it's hard to help people or support people if you don't understand that part of like what they do particularly well and there are some things that naturally I just don't get as as involved in so I can sort of spot a couple of I mean we're not we're not a really big organization so they're not like big departments but I can spot a couple of things where I think well I'm not particularly close to how that happens and therefore it is harder for me to help really usefully. So I think that maybe that first one, because that feels um, very top of mind for me at the moment. So moving on from the questions which can help you think strategically about your company to questions which can help you think strategically about your career. Here are three, and then we'll give our perspective again. So number one, what are three trends that are most likely to affect your career over the next three years? What biases do you have that could get in the way of your strategic thinking? And three, whose career progression do you admire and what can you learn from their approach? So which one of those do you think would help you? I always find biases really fascinating. And I think the more you know your conscious and if you can, your unconscious biases, I think the better that you are. So even doing that agility consistency framework for me helped me. It reminded me really of some of my biases towards um like I like new stuff, but also that I can be quite stubborn. So I was like, oh, you know, that whole thing of like, am I basically the worst combination of two things here? <laughs> but but I think that's quite helpful to just understand then how that might show up to other people, both in useful ways. Where does your where is your agility quite useful and your consistency useful, and where is it sometimes unhelpful? So I I was like I was thinking about that, and it's something I I've done some work on unconscious bias in the past as well, but not 
lots. And I also know there's lots of kind of different ways of doing that, some which are more effective than others. So I think that's something that I'd like to, I'd just like to go back to. And mine would be different, actually. Mine would be the three trends most likely to affect my career. I'd like to spend a bit of time just sort of exploring that one a little bit because I think it's really easy to go, oh, well, AI, AI. <laughs> um, I also saw that that's like the Oxford Dictionary's word of the year, or it might be the Cambridge Dictionary. I don't know. I saw that on the news today. That AI is the word of the year. It's like, okay. Uh, but I think it's really easy to just go, well, AI is going to change everything. But I was having a curious conversation with somebody, a curious career conversation, practicing what we preach earlier this week. And they were telling me about this um, this course they'd been on all about regenerative leadership. And I was like, oh, that's quite interesting about kind of what leadership contributes and not just being kind of net neutral. I was like, oh, that's a really interesting thing for people in the future. So I think maybe spending some time looking at different trends and thinking how my role could change as like CEO, what I do in Amazing If would be just a helpful and quite quite an exciting thing to do as well to kind of get oh that you know my future could look like that sort of I guess it goes into the horizon scanning thing that appeals to me quite a lot because that one gets you quite far into the future and so for today one of the things uh, we would definitely encourage you to do is check out some of those links that we will summarize for you there is lots of very good quality free stuff out there on strategic thinking and that's not always the case with the topics that we cover but particularly maybe starting with there's a brilliant website called cascade it's the cascade app i think but you can find it on a website and that's one of the links just having had a look through that this morning it's got loads of strategic principles you can read about it it's all pretty simple and quite easy to get your head around so even just immersing yourself i think in this world a bit more a it demystifies it secondly you realize you can definitely do it And then you can just start to figure out, well, how do I usefully apply this to what I do and where I want to go? And all of those links will be in the pod sheet, which you can get from our website, amazingif.com. Just go to the podcast page and you'll be able to find it there. Also, on that same page, you'll be able to sign up for our weekly email, which is called Podmail. It comes out every Tuesday and it has all the links, so to the pod sheet and and the pod note and details about Pod Plus. So if you think, oh, actually, I'd quite like, I'd like to stay in touch with all these tools that Helen and Sarah are creating, I think probably signing up for Podmail is the best way to do it. But that's everything for this week and we're back with you again soon. Bye for now. Bye, everyone. Hey, y'all. Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com.